Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the Thunder Lakers game, as well as Pokachevsky and Isaiah Roby. So just going right into things, the Thunder and Lakers played last night. You know, we were coming into this one as the ninth seed. They were the top in the NBA. We ended up getting pretty much crushed. We ended up losing 128-99. And look, we were coming off a second game in our back-to-back set. Actually, the Lakers were too. They were in Houston on Tuesday. But both of us were coming into our second game of a back-to-back set. And as we all know, on these back-to-backs, Al Horford, he just rests. Like, we've had one before this already, and he didn't play. In this one, he also sat out, and that left the 22-year-old 6'8 forward Isaiah Roby to go back up to the starting lineup as the center. So he was having to deal with guys like Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell in this one. And you got to look at people like Baisley, too. I mean, Baisley is our starting power forward. He has to go against the best power forward in the league in Anthony Davis. And he got matchups like Dort on LeBron James. That was a fun one to watch. And then, you know, we have other matchups. I mean, George Hill versus Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Yeah, it is what it is. And then Schroeder, he returned to the peak in this one. He's faced off against SGA. We just had a lot of unique matchups all over the place. And we had a lot of stuff to do to win this one. We had to play a near perfect game to defeat these guys and we just couldn't do it I mean the Lakers possess so much depth on their roster even beyond their starting unit their second unit could be a starting lineup of its own that's how solid of a group the Lakers have right now for us our backups really just consist of guys under like 25 years old so we got the young bucks going up against what could be another NBA starting lineup team and whenever they have 48 minutes of that kind of production they're gonna do very very successful and they really didn't even need the bench at first like the starters came in and made the impact that they wanted the Lakers jumped out to a 16-4 run to begin the game and the reason they were able to get such a good grip on this one in the opening stages was due to Darius Baisley and Isaiah Roby being your two big guys. When your big guys barely weigh over like 210 pounds, there will be some issues there. So Anthony Davis specifically, he was the one trying to get inside. He was cooking up on Baisley. He dropped 12 points in the first quarter alone. And he kind of commanded the whole entire group around him. I think they may have had a couple of scorers who dropped like five points or something in that quarter. But it really was all about Anthony Davis in that opening stage. And we actually kept it surprisingly close for the first quarter. It was only a 30-21 to advantage for the Lakers. They were working inside most of that first. And then for us, I mean, we were actually doing the same thing as well. And the main piece that we had was SGA. He looked like his usual self. He played all 12 minutes of this first quarter and dropped eight points on three of six shooting got to the line for some free throws but yeah it wasn't totally out at the end of this first quarter but the second quarter 
really the bow was just tied on this game in that quarter. You know, we've seen crazy comebacks, but these guys built up a gigantic lead. They had a 16 to nothing run midway through the second quarter, and it expanded their lead from 8 points to 24 points. And the Thunder really could not fire back the rest of the way there. So they got themselves established in that first half, and it set them up for a lot of successes. AD wasn't really chipping in in the second quarter. It was all about LeBron James. LeBron James had 15 points by halftime. Three of the five field goals that he hit in that first half came from downtown, so they were stretching us out as soon as we tried closing in on them, and it created a multitude of issues for us. And for the Thunder, SGA cooled off. He only had two points in that second quarter. And we had to look to other guys. Dort did well. He had three three balls in that first half to get to nine points. But we just didn't have that leader through that first half. And whenever we don't have a leader, it does create some issues. We weren't jacking up a ton of threes. We shot just four of 16 from downtown in that first half. So not where we want it to be. And whenever we're attacking so much to the basket on people like AD, people like Harrell, LeBron when he wants to go in there, Gasol, hell, even Kyle Kuzma maybe. It's going to be a difficult time for us. So we weren't hitting enough shots down low to make this close enough, and we weren't getting any calls. In that game against the Spurs that we played on Tuesday, it was all about baiting the foul and getting to the free throw line. And even though we lost that one, we still put up a pretty tough effort because we shot 29 free throws in this game. So completely turned the tables we couldn't get the calls that we wanted down low and the Lakers they were kind of just feasting they didn't even need the free throws to be quite honest with you but yeah they just kind of asserted their dominance early and we couldn't come back and the reason they were able to do this so well and get a lead of close to 30 points by the end of this one they were just pressing the issue and the issue at hand was obvious we did not have a big man down low we had people like sure we have Mike Muscala but is Mike Muscala that big that's going to be able to play 30 minutes on guys like Harrell and Davis absolutely not Mike Muscala only played 11 minutes in this one anyways so we really just did throw Isaiah Roby into the lion's den and just give him a crack at it and he didn't do a terrible job like with all the circumstances, I think he did very, very well for himself. But, of course, Anthony Davis is going to feast on him. Of course, Harrell's going to feast on him. They just went inside over and over due to that lack of Horford. And Montrez Harrell chipped in 21 points in this one. And AD had 18. So, he had that big first quarter. Didn't really see many more minutes. After that first, but his impact was still left there. He kind of set the groundworks, the foundation, per se, for some of these other Laker guys. And they took full advantage because they were attacking right down low. Didn't have much protection there. When it was all said and done, they had 56 points in the paint. So, did well for themselves. And once they Thunder started to try to close out on these guys down low... That's when they start going out to the three, like I stated a bit about how the second quarter went. That's kind of how that second quarter went, and they kept at it. That was the game plan. It was, 
We know there's a mismatch down low. We know Baisley and Roby really can't, you know, take a little wrestling match down low with some of these Lakers bigs. So let's force them outside and test them from deep. The Los Angeles Lakers, they accepted that challenge and they killed it. They shot 17 of 37, so 46% from beyond the arc. And LeBron James, who had 27 points in this game on 9 of 20 field goals, he had 5 three balls. So 15 of his 27 points came from deep. That's not what you expect from LeBron James. I see him more as like a penetration guy. And then maybe he can work in the mid-range. But I don't see him pulling up for five threes and just burying them over and over again. He went five for eight, so he missed a bit. But wow, he was just killing it from downtown. And whenever LeBron's feeling it from deep, it's going to be tough. Because we already know he can body you down low. Didn't even have to do that. He was just killing us from outside. So whenever that started happening, that's kind of when the writing began on the wall. And other players were just following his suit. Because like I said, it wasn't just him hitting those three balls. Sure, he hit five. But Markeith Morris hit three. Caldwell Pope hit two. Alex Caruso. He only shot two threes. He knocked them both down. So everyone was kind of feeling it from deep. And we were leaving them open, to be quite honest with you. We were letting them get these attempts on us. And we were giving them second chances. They had 12 offensive rebounds. And what did they do off these offensive rebounds? They were kicking it right back out and reloading over and over until they found the bottom of the basket from three. And they started feeling it, and we could never catch up with them. So their game plan, from a Lakers perspective, it went exactly how they wanted. They shut down pretty much all of our guys, and they were feeling it from all around the court. For us, though, for OKC, this game was really just a stepping stone to develop our young group of guys. Whenever we were entering this game, was the expectation we were going to end up defeating these guys? I don't know. Personally, in the game preview, and I still stand by this, this team has been so unpredictable. I wouldn't have been surprised if I was talking to you guys today, saying how SGA dropped 47 points and we end up winning this one in overtime you know it's just been that kind of year for our group of guys so even though this was like a complete blowout I'm really like I wasn't expecting this to happen coming in the game I thought we'd put up a bit more here but it was still a net positive when we're looking at the individual stats of all of our players it may not look that pretty and you're what you're gonna get your eyes towards it's always going to be that points category. And we didn't have that one dude we could rally behind. SGA's been our guy pretty much for the past couple weeks here. Lou Dort ended up carrying us in one of our games. I think he dropped 26 once in this season. And then Darius Baisley had that patch of three games where he was dropping near 19 points and 11 rebounds. So we've always had someone that we can kind of rally behind. And then you got to mention Diallo too because... He's been kicking ass, but nobody was able to dominate in this one. And our leading scorer was SGA with 17 points. He shot just 5 of 12, 1 of 3 from distance, and 6 of his 17 points came from the line. So he was locked up when he was trying to shoot the ball. 
and he really was not in a passing mode. Like, the Lakers were clamping down on him hard. They knew that the offense kind of runs through SGA at this point. So shutting him down and limiting access to the other guys on the floor really ended up helping. He only had two rebounds and get this, one assist in the entire game. We are not used to seeing numbers like this from SGA. And with him always having the ball in his hands, it is a little bit difficult because if he's not facilitating the ball, how are we supposed to be getting good looks? And maybe one of the issues was we weren't getting good looks. I just know when SGA is not able to find open players, it spells doom for us. Behind him, our second leading scorer was Isaiah Roby, who dropped 11 points in this one. He only played 24 minutes, but he killed it. I think on defense, he always does a solid job. He put up a fight with these bigs. It's just due to him not having the frame, I suppose, but... 4 of 7, 3 of 4 on the free throw line, and he almost had a double-double. He had 9 boards, and 2 of those 9 were on the offensive end. So he is getting active. The fact he was able to corral those 2 rebounds on some of the bigs that the Lakers have really just speaks volumes to how well Isaiah Roby has become as a rebounder and just a player inside, because... Starting the preseason, we really didn't know what to expect out of this guy. He started as this high ball screen, just dominator in those high pick and roll sets with uh, Maladone. But he's really expanded. He doesn't need to rely on those anymore. He can be a pick and pop guy or a pick and roll guy, and then he can just take it himself. He can exert his energy and his force on isolation situations around the cup, and he can get some easy buckets relatively fast and then as you can see with those boards he can crash the glass and get second chance points so he is a perfect energy guy off the bench for us obviously he's not the long-term center like next game he's going to be coming off the bench but he keeps proving himself over and over again so nothing but positive stuff going towards Isaiah Roby in this one George Hill, he cracked double digits. He had 10 points, but he was 4 of 8 shooting. Didn't shoot it from downtown. He only shot it once and is not in. And then he had two free throws and two boards, two assists, nothing spectacular. 50% shooting, that's solid, but not great numbers. And the only other dude who dropped double digits was Alexei Pokachevsky. And I'm so excited for his future whenever he had this little concussion a couple weeks ago everyone on the twitters the instagrams i don't i wouldn't go as far to say reddit but just social media outlets all over the place were kind of getting their jabs in at pokachevsky because he hadn't shown that much promise um i actually i believe he did but just looking at it from the perspective the pessimistic perspective or not trying to look at all the positive things he's done what you would have seen in the first few weeks was him really just not understanding the flow of the NBA game I mean he was smacking the ball out of the cylinder you know a couple times every time he got the ball looked like he was traveling so from a perspective where you're not really looking into the positives I can totally see why you would be really upset at Pokachevsky but the hate stops and it stopped last night 
10 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and get this, a team high, 3 blocks. He was all over the place in this one, and I'll go into Pokachevsky in a little bit, but wow, there were so many great quotes and great moments from the 19-year-old rookie in this game. And if he's doing this on the Los Angeles Lakers, imagine what he'd be doing against the Chicago Bulls in our next game on Friday. Just a thought. Moving on to some of the other guys who didn't chip in double digits, but I do think they did a solid job. We got to start with Dort. I mean, he had to guard LeBron James himself, so that's a tough matchup in general. On offense, he actually was our leader in threes. He was three of six from deep. Wasn't really going inside because he only had nine points. But had a rebound, had an assist. He wasn't letting LeBron just go right inside over and over. And sure, this maybe was not the greatest performance by Dort. But when you need to, you need to look into the details here. When you're guarding arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, and you limit him to 27 points, which 27 points, that's a lot. That's more than his average. However, where he was getting these points, kind of an irregularity for LeBron James. He's not accustomed to be shooting three ball after three ball. He really gets his name from driving inside and trying to work on the twos. Sure, he can be deadly from downtown, and he's had that clutch factor, but... I don't expect him to be hitting five three balls in his next stretch of games. You know, he's not that kind of player. And the fact that Dort got him out of his comfort zone, if there really even is one with LBJ, he did it in last night's performance. So even though stat sheet may say otherwise, I think his defensive efforts were heard. Then also looking down the line, I think Kenrich Williams, Kenny Hustle, Solid work by him in 15 minutes. He had nine points. That very well could be his season high with us. Shot four of five, and he had five rebounds and four assists. So without a doubt, this wasn't just Poku's best game of the year. This was Kenny Hustle's best game of the year, and he was facing up against the Lakers backup unit. So really what he was looking at was Kyle Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker. You don't mess around with those guys. Those are two solid NBA players. And he just ousted them. He outplayed both of them. On defense, he's always kind of acclimated to anything. He can do it all there. Not at an extremely high level, but he gets the job done. And then on offense, you're kind of looking at the exact same thing. He's an underrated passer underrated rebounder and he can shoot the ball just a little bit he hit a three-pointer there off a catch and shoot in this one and then he navigates his way into the lane for easy buckets sometimes his shot selection is off but in this one definitely definitely solid so he was able to get the good looks and that's how he shot four or five but crashing the glass on the lakers bigs big plus the biggest part, though, is the assists, because normally the offense never revolves around him. He is a corner sitter who really doesn't do that much. Maybe he'll set you a, a screen or something in the corner, but outside of that, he's really not doing much on offense. He's just there to light a spark on the other end. He can totally be an offensive piece, and I'm not talking about him always having the ball go through him on plays. 
because that would just be ridiculous. But in spurts, I do think he needs to be involved in offensive sets. And he was in this one, and that's why he was able to get the ball and find the open man because he was attracting people. He was kind of being used as a decoy at times. And you see people doing backdoor cuts or just people wide open from distance. He'll hit him up and he'll get the shot in. So I think he has a high sense of what's going on on the floor. And that's why he's kind of so well-rounded. And this was his most well-rounded performance of the year without a doubt. Hamadou Diallo quieted down a bit. The efficiency was still there, just didn't get as many shots up. He was 4 of 6 in this one, 1 of 1 from downtown, so he had 9 points in total, and then he had 5 rebounds in 20 minutes. You really can't even be mad at him. This is stats that he has been putting up until he went on that super hot stretch here in these past couple games. I didn't expect him to be dropping 20 points in this one. Uh, I didn't expect him to be shooting four of six, though. I'm surprised he shot 66% on the Lakers. I thought he'd probably be like three of eight or something, still get his nine. But the way he got his nine was really efficient. He should have got the ball maybe a bit more. He kind of ends up running a lot with SGA. At least that's how it has been these last few games. And SGA and Diallo, they don't clash, but their play style's have kind of become pretty similar so SGA's first plan of attack is always going inside and Diallo's point of attack is always going inside so when SGA's taking the ball up Diallo he may have a drive to the lane but he's not really getting it that much and I think the same can be said with SGA whenever Diallo's attacking the basket he's kind of zoning out and just looking down the floor to see if he can make a play happen once he goes inside, then he'll look other spots. But he's not about passing when he's crossing the timeline, and the same goes with SGA. So I wouldn't say it's clashing by any means. It's just whenever they're both together, I think their skills are kind of encapsulated together. They're combined, and you don't get the full effect of both. Because if you have 20 minutes of straight-up SGA attacking, and then another 20 minutes of Diallo straight attacking, the results are going to be better than if you just both play them together in my eyes so he didn't shoot a lot due to just the rotation but he did solid in his minutes so big ups to him in this one he's always been consistent with this man at least this season he has i'd say probably the next biggest bright spot on our team it'd be teo maladon he has been lingering around this 40 percent from the field these past maybe like five games this one, he shot three of nine, one of two from downtown, two boards, and four assists. So he's been distributing the ball. He is a very, very good passer, and I've always stated how he's one of the top passers in this draft class, and I said it since the get-go, since we drafted him. I even said he was a top three passer. He definitely is a top three passer in this draft class, and he's had turnover issues, but he's really toned it back down. He only had one turnover to those four assists. That ratio is ridiculous for a guard. And obviously, it's going to be a little bit different when you're not the star, you're a backup. I think the ratio will be inflated a bit. But he just does a good job finding other people open. And he has begun to get his defenders up tight on him, and then he's able to pass out. 
I'd say at the beginning of the preseason, the three ball was just always there for them. That's not the case anymore. And he really is good at selling it because he looks really good every time he shoots. I'm not sure about percentage wise, but I don't think he's that great of a three point shooter right now. He just always looks like he has it in there. So defenders are coming up and that allows him to kind of free up other guys. So big plus on Maladone. We should be looking at him in the Bulls game tomorrow. I think the last dude I want to cover, uh, at least any plus, how about Moses Brown? Two-way player for us. He's only played a few games, but every single game, he has been very, very productive for us. Get this. He dropped six points, three rebounds, and an assist in just six minutes of run. He has been really efficient and productive in the stretches of games that he's played with us. I believe he played a couple games ago. I'm not sure exactly which team we were facing, but I think he dropped like 12 points in like 11 minutes or something. So he doesn't really have the body. He's like 7'2", barely 200 pounds. He doesn't have the shooting ability, so he's just down low. And whenever you're super thin like that, you know, you can kind of get bodied around inside. But seems like he's done a good job. And he runs against like the third strings of other squads. So you can try to tack points off from him. But I'm not going to do that. I think that he's been good. I'm not going to go ahead and say, oh, we should upgrade his contract or anything. Because that's simply not what should be happening. I think he's going to be just a developmental guy for us this year in the G League bubble. And we'll see where he goes on from there. But he's looked decent in his performances. So if he can kind of bulk up a bit, I think maybe he could get some rotational minutes until it's time for the G League bubble to start. Positive game for Moses Brown. But there are a few people who kind of cooled off. Thing number one, you got to address Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala took that dirty shot to the rib. I don't know exactly if it's still hurting him or whatever, but he just has not been that efficient. He shot the ball nine times in 18 minutes in this last one. One of six from three. So he got seven points and four boards. But the way he got them, not that solid. He was just jacking shot up after shot up. And it's not an issue. The issue is when you can't make them. And he just couldn't make it in this game. I'm not going to throw red flags out at him. But seems like he hasn't really felt himself since this injury and it's one of those like bs things where what can i back my statement up with i really couldn't tell you guys i'm just telling you now though he has not been shooting at the same clip since when he got that dirty shot to the rib i think he's gonna be fine in the long run but he's just been a really really cool right now and another person who's been very cool darius baisley and Darius Baisley has been struggling with consistency the entire season. It's been coming into full swing these past few games. And this one, in 25 minutes, he shot just 1 of 5, 0 of 3 from downtown. So he only put up 3 points, 5 rebounds, and a steal in this game. And I honestly am giving him a pass on defense because I'm not going to you know, complain about him not being able to guard Anthony Davis. The best of the best can't even guard Anthony Davis. You know why? Because it's Anthony Davis. 
And then whenever he's playing the backups, Montrez Harrell was more of a center. But hey, even at times, he may even be matched up on Baisley, you know what I'm saying? So they had a whole plethora of bigs that Baisley had to try to deal with. The fact he couldn't manage them, it's not a big deal. I think many people expected the paint to be an issue in Wednesday's game. But he just needs to get back to shooting because he's been left open. He just has not seen the ball go in enough. And he has put on good moves to get open looks. This is not like a deal where he is just like clamped up, smothered every time he touches the ball. Not the case. He has a really good array of moves to get to the basket, and he started showing them off probably, I'd say, at the start of this year. Very good Euro step, very good hop step. He does get open, and he frees himself up. He did it probably twice in this game, but no dice on either of them. So, was not converting there, and then from three, I think he has been getting it left open a bit. Just has not kind of trickled in for him. Let me just give you the stats in his last uh, three or four games. So, dropped three points in this last game. And the game before that against the Spurs, he had 12 points on 4 of 14 shooting, so just 28%. Game before that against Brooklyn, five points on 2 of 6 shooting. And before that against the New York Knicks, this was the one that everyone thought he'd kind of just break out. Four points on two of nine shooting, so only 22%. We're going to add up all those percentages. He's shooting somewhere in the mid to high 20% in his past four games. And that comes off of him just killing it in, his, in the three before that, where he averaged just about 19 a game. But consistency has been the struggle when you're looking at his whole body of work on the year. He's still lingering around. 10.5 points and about eight rebounds so it's not that bad but percentage wise he is shooting 38 percent and 26 percent from three i actually am a little bit surprised i thought he would be shooting a lot higher than that he's just a bit in that funk right now and i'm not even blaming him because he has found himself open it's just time after time He's not able to hit, and he has become one of the major pieces of our team right now. I don't want to. I think Dort is probably the second best player on our team at the moment, but you can make a case for Baisley at number three. And he's had those times where he's the number one dude right now, and he's jacking up 10 plus times, and they just aren't falling. He needs to start kind of getting that confidence back up. It's just one of those struggles. I think the Lakers, you know, even if you weren't coming in this with a slump, this is a key game where you're going to start with a slump. And I think you should take their last couple games with a grain of salt because, look, the Knicks, Julius Randle, that's a nightmare matchup for Baisley. Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, nightmare matchup for Baisley. San Antonio, this one I'm not giving a pass to Baisley for. He had Trey Lyles on him, and then off the bench, you got Jakob Pertle and, like, Devin Eubanks. Actually, Eubanks was gone, but point still stands. They don't really have a lot of depth at the 4 and the 5. So that one, I'm not giving a pass to. However, New York, Brooklyn, and the Lakers, 
They just have some stars at the power forward position. So on defense, I'm not surprised he played bad. It's more on the offense end of things that he never tied things up. And that is a bit of an issue. In our next matchup that we are playing against the Chicago Bulls, it's going to be different. I believe Lori Markkinen is actually still out. He's been out for a very long time. Like, I have this guy in fantasy, and I have been struggling. He was killing it. He was one of my best players in my league. And then he kind of just got hurt. I think he's like in a protocol or whatever. So the Bulls are going to have some rotational things to fix up on. Likely, he's going to be matching up against people like Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter Jr. So, I like the matchup more than I have with these past few ones. With Baisley, I think he's kind of hit rock bottom for what he will be looking like this year. The only way is up. So, in these next couple ones, I totally think he's going to get his act back together and get back to those averages of like 15 and 8, I'd say. So next up, I really just wanted to key back on to Alexei Pokachevsky because he has kind of been regarded as a flop, as I stated. People on Instagram were going hard at this man. He bounced back in this last game, and there's a lot more here than just the numbers. The amount of stuff that Pokachevsky was pulling off in this game was ridiculous. Every single aspect of the game that you can imagine, Poku was probably doing it. In this one, Poku hit two threes. He was two of four from downtown. Inside, uh, I think on a fast break, a two-on-one situation, Kenrich Williams gives the ball to Poku. He's got like Taylor Horton Tucker under the basket. Makes a good call by just not wanting to be involved there. He pulls off like a Statue of Liberty dunk from five feet away. He's towering. Yeah, I think he's on the Lakers' side um, at that point. So whenever he puts the dunk in, I think the Lakers people were like, whoa, what the hell? This guy is crazy. Uh, believe it or not, I think he was sitting at the right corner at times. And I think they panned, yeah, the Fox Sports Oklahoma crew, they panned in on him. You got like the whole entire Lakers bench just staring at him. So I just thought that was kind of funny there from him. However... I mean, look, he just has the size and the length to be special, and he displayed why in this game. Not even look at the 10 points. Like, the 10 points being a career high, that's great and all. I think offensively, this was his best performance. I think defensively, though, without a doubt, this was the best one that uh, that Poku has, has dropped for us thus far in the year and he actually had a quote I believe yeah after the game he was asked about his defensive performance and he stayed humble with it he just said that's my job just keep playing defense blocks are just coming because I'm a big guy trying to use my tools that he did with those three blocks every single one of them I would say did not look like they were supposed to happen. I think there was a Kyle Kuzma layup. He blows right by Pokachevsky. He gets the ball up. Looks like it's going to hit glass. Poku swarms in. He does like a little bunny hop. He's not even jumping up that high. And he still smacks it off the glass. And then these other two shots. He blocked a shot from the three-point line. There was so much space in between Poku and his man. He somehow closes the gap up. 
and swats it. And then the third one, I think is probably inside again, but those those blocks just really stood out to me. He's going to be a very good blocker in the league. And I think with Poku, this is more of like an ongoing story. As the year progresses, there's going to be more stuff to talk about with him. But this game showed so, so much. This was without a doubt, bar none, best game of the season for Alexei Pokachevsky. And it seemed like his teammates and even the coaches were really just raving about his performance in this one. Mark Dagnall credited Poku's defense. He said to the media that his defense was well ahead of his offensive game and that he thinks that blocking will be a key piece to Poku's game in the future. Cannot disagree with Coach Dagnault there. Poku has it down when it comes to swatting shots. Think he needs to work a bit on the technique. He has had times where he's kind of just fell into the defender during shots, but once he kind of shores up and, and gets a bit more naturalized and tolerant to how some of these people play in the NBA, I think he should be good to go as far as blocking is concerned. And then Kenrich Williams, Kenny Hustle, who also had a great game, said about Poku's defense, he does a great job, he's long, he's able to get those blocks, and he's doing a lot better. And he said that the future will be very bright for him. And then SGA said, as young as Poku is, he knows how to play on both ends of the floor. He knows what he is doing. He's getting better every day. Everyone was raving about this guy. And against a team like the Chicago Bulls, where you're looking at people like Simi Shitu off the bench. I don't even know if he's playing for them right now. But they don't have the sort of depth that is shown from the Los Angeles Lakers here. It's always kind of a dice roll on how Poku will be playing um, for us, but if there's a game that I feel confident about, it's this one right here. So very, very proud of what Poku did, and this is kind of the seed. You need to expand from this one and try to get on your first hot streak because he has not been on a consistent streak all season. Almost every player on our team has had that sort of streak, that run of two to three games where they're just feeling it. Poku has not had that. He's had a game maybe once a week where everyone's like, oh my gosh, we just have a reincarnated unicorn. We got a Giannis, whatever it may be. And then the other three are like, wow, why did we pick this guy 17th? I think it was a great pick because if we're getting one game a week where we're like, oh my gosh, this is a big steal. And we're only like two, three weeks into the year. We got some good signs. We got a good prospect on our hands, but it's just all about building that confidence and kind of getting back to some sort of rhythm here. See if you can do it against the Bulls. The final player that I wanted to talk about today is Isaiah Roby. And the reason is this guy has become Mr. Consistent for us. And he balled out in this last game against the Lakers. Despite giving up a lot of points, I think there was a lot of promise shown by him and just breaking down what he's done for us in this year he's averaging 8.3 a game 4.6 rebounds and 0.9 assists 
in what is only 18 minutes a game. So the production he's giving us in such little amounts of time is ridiculous. And this is a guy in Roby who really, I don't even know if he had a safe roster spot. I'd imagine he probably did. Um, but we never know these things. He was able to get through training camp, get through the preseason, and then work his way into a real rotational role with this team. Let's not forget that Roby was not in the rotation to start the year. He gets that first game, his first career start with us against the Orlando Magic, and he balls out. He drops, I believe it was 19 points he dropped in that game, as well as seven rebounds. So he went off and then from that point on, Mark Dagnall can't just not throw him out. So he was in from that point on. And he's just shown consistency through and through. I don't even know if there's been a game where he hasn't shot over 50%. There's been two. I just checked. But he's he does not miss that often. And what he does at his size is very, very special. Now, if we're looking at what exactly Isaiah Roby could be for us, it's a little bit up in the air. Roby is 22 years old. He's six foot eight. He has a gigantic wingspan. I believe it is somewhere in the 7'2 to 7'3 range. So this is a big guy who can cover a lot of ground. He's, he has a 7'3 wingspan, by the way, but a lot of ground he can cover here. He's 230 pounds right now, and you'd imagine there's a lot more for him to grow into. Ideally, when you look at Roby's play style, he is a small ball center. And the reason I say that is because he is a physical guy on both sides of the ball. He can smack you. He makes up for his size with those long arms of his. Whenever he's playing against maybe a backup or whatever, when he's not completely outmatched by strength, he makes it up with his length. So he rejects tons and tons of shots for us and then on the other end he's too fast for the guys on the pick and roll and I always have to talk about it but he's so so good in the pick and roll situations and then just getting his own rebound he's athletic enough to recover get the ball back and put it right back up so that's some traits that you love to see from a guy at his age and if this guy was six foot ten six foot eleven with these kind of skills this guy would be one of the most promising guys, you know, maybe even on our team. I think he's kind of gone a bit under the radar just due to him not having the opportunities and just looking like a complete mismatch every time he steps on the floor because physically, that's what it looks like just due to the lack of size. But anyways, the production he brings is great. And some other small ball bigs that I was looking at when trying to think, oh, what does Roby kind of fit into? Here's some small ball bigs for you. Montrez Harrell's only six foot eight. Bam Adebayo, he's six foot nine. Zion, he's only six foot six. Julius Randle, six eight. Kenneth Reed, six foot eight. So these are all super duper athletic bigs. I'd say Bam Adebayo, he, he might be a bit of an outlier here. Same with Williamson because he's more of a power forward, but. All these guys are very athletic for their size, and they can still manage to cover the two, three, hell, even four-inch deficit that they often have to match up against in a daily basis. So they cover that through the strength, through their speed, through the length that they possess. And right now, I would say Roby checks the box when it comes to length, 
checks the box when it comes to defense. The only thing I'm not sure about right now is strength because he's only 230. All these guys that I listed, if you see them, they look completely jacked. They are muscled up. Isaiah Roby, he has that muscle to him, but it's nowhere close to some of these guys. And I don't think he would be a long-term center. Like, I don't know how many minutes you would expect Roby to continue to play at small ball center unless he is able to build up some more muscle. If he is able to go from 230 to like 245 and all those pounds just go straight to weight, oh yeah, I want him playing small ball center any day of the week. But as it currently stands, he has more of that power forward body. And as a power forward, at least in the current times of the NBA, being athletic and being able to crash the boards is simply not enough. He has good playmaking skills, which is an underrated aspect of his game. But shooting-wise, he has not quite figured it out. Defenses have just left Roby wide open this year, and he hasn't gotten enough shots up. When he does, though, he's actually looked very nice. He's shooting 42% on 1.5 attempts per game from outside. However, as I mentioned, when we're looking at where those shots are coming from, they're normally the top of the key, and no one is within 10 feet of this guy. So he is pretty much playing shoot-around from downtown whenever he's playing. Will that ever change? It, maybe if he continues to shoot at a high clip? Yeah, people are going to start stepping up. But in a power forward, I'm looking for a guy who is physical, who can get the boards, play defense, and shoot the basketball. The only thing that I don't have marked with Roby is shooting that ball. He's looked decent. He just has kind of lacked some consistency or confidence there. Consistency in terms of how many shots he's taken up. He's hitting a good amount of them, but he needs to shoot it more, and if he can expand that range, it makes him very deadly as an option at the power forward spot because you know, the issue is now you're leveled down. You're with six foot eight guys who are as athletic as you getting that three ball. That's kind of the X, X factor. Whereas at center, the athleticism and speed is that X factor. If he can get it going, he's going to be very, very good as a power forward. But also, you can still put him at the center. And if people need to step up on you as a center, you're good to go. If he can build up the tone, I want him as a center though, because. He is such a different prospect. Every time we look at Oklahoma City Thunder centers, let's just go down the line. We're looking at either stretch fours or just some bigs that don't really have a ton of mobility to them. I'd say Noel could be your outlier there, but when we're looking at other people, we're looking at guys like Patrick Patterson, for example, Taj Gibson, for example. We're looking at bigs like Steven Adams, like Cole Aldridge. If you want to go all the way back, you could even say Nidai Christich. I don't know about that one. But you got guys like Kendrick Perkins, Nazi Muhammad. These guys are all very, very, I'm not going to say immobile, but they don't have a really quick burst in their step. Roby is a different prospect who is a wing that you can put up as high as the five right now. So I want to be able to develop all his skills, particularly building up his body and working on the shot. If 
Coach Mark Dagnall, as well as the other crew, can build him up, he can be a threat in the future at the five position. Now, is this a dude that you're grouping in the same category as SGA, Lou Dort, Baisley, and then I'd say also you can throw in Pokachevsky and Maladon? I don't think so. I think that with the ceilings of those other guys, they may be higher than that of Roby's right now. However, I think with Roby, he's going to be a solid piece for us. I just don't know if he's going to be that starting center for you, the starting power forward. He's going to be a big presence off the bench. I think his ceiling there is being that energy guy who will scrap in, you know, 25 minutes. That, that's the goal there. And if he can continue to beef up, and maybe he becomes one of those overpowering guys like Montrez Harrell, he could become a starter. But I just want to say, as of right now, I think the ceiling for him is probably being one of the big guys off of the bench for us. He's definitely one of our best options right now. I don't want to... I, I honestly... Eh, I was going to say, maybe he's better than Muscala is. I think for what Muscala has been bringing to us, you may have to value him more. I think once Muscala is gone, though, which he could be traded, I'll be a-okay with Roby assuming that starting center role and just or not starting center, the backup center, and just seeing him develop and grow will be very enticing to watch. So he's looked consistent so far. I think consistency is always going to stick with the man. He's killing it from inside for us and outside. Um, we'll see if the outside sticks, but we have a piece here in Isaiah Roby, and this is a guy that, just like Pogachevsky, is going to be a developing story. There's so many different pieces that constantly are changing on our team, and Roby, once again, has just proved his worth with the squad. So, it'll be fun to see Roby, Poku, and all the rest of the guys in our next matchup as we face off tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls at 7. I'll make sure to get a game preview out to you guys for that. But other than that, guys, I have nothing for you. I thank you all for listening to the podcast, and I will talk to you guys next time. See ya.